Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... I got to give an account to God for what I do. It's sometimes it's lonely and it's very difficult to do what God's telling you to do. Because you got a relationship with the Lord. You got a tender heart to the Lord. And sometimes that tender heart, God is going to say, I know it seems like you should do this, but I don't want you to do that. And if you got a tender heart to the Lord, you're going to yield to the Lord. And people might not understand. Other people might not get it. No, you need to go ahead and you need to stick it to them. You need to go ahead. And then the Lord is saying, no, I don't want you to do that. That's not what I want. That's not my heart right now. When you drive in your car and you break the speed limit, whose fault is it? When you get pulled over, are you going to try and blame your passenger for the speed of your car? No way. Nobody's going to buy that. It was your foot on the pedal and your hand on the wheel. In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you that when you know to do what's right, it shouldn't matter what everyone else is telling you. You do what's right. You're the one that God's going to hold accountable for the things you choose to do. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 24, as he begins his message, Heart After God. Uh, We are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So if you guys tonight will open up to 1 Samuel chapter 24, and I want to pray for us and... uh, and we get into God's word and see what he has for us this evening. Father, we do come before you right now. And God, we want to thank you. Thank you for a place to gather. Uh, thank you for a God to worship. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for your mercy upon our lives. Thank you, God, that you've given us your word and that it's living and powerful. And as we study it tonight, God, we can look for you to speak to us and to reveal things to us. And so, God, we give you these minutes. We give you our undivided attention and we ask that you would meet us in this place, Lord. Speak to us through your word. God, I pray that even directly, Lord, as um, each of us are individuals with individual lives and things going on. God, meet us. Speak to us those things that we need to hear from you. Warn us if we need to be warned. Convict us if we need to be convicted. Encourage us if we need to be encouraged. Stir us, Lord. If we're stagnant, need to be stirred. You know what we need. We pray you meet us as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. So 1 Samuel chapter 24, I titled the chapter Heart After God. And uh, we all know David is said in the scriptures to be a man after God's own heart. Amen. We'll see an example. It's not just one time that you see David exemplify this, but tonight, in this chapter is one of the places where you see why, why God said that about him, why the Holy Spirit testifies that David was a man after God's heart. And we'll talk about what it means to be a person after God's heart as we go through the chapter. So let's pick it up at verse one. Just for you guys to make just jumping in with us as we're making our way through. David's been anointed king, but he's not publicly functioning as king yet because the previous king, whose name is is a jerk and he's chasing David all around the world. He wants to kill David. He's unsuccessful because Saul's mission disagrees with God's plans. Amen. Amen. So the lesson we've learned as we watch the life of Saul is if you make it your life's mission, passion and vision to do something that God's not with, um, you're going to be a frustrated individual. And conversely, if you're a man like David, where you're we're just waiting on God to, to make it happen, 
Um, but David is in God's hands. Uh, David has been kept from death, kept. I mean, God is just keeping him no matter what comes upon his life. And so now let's look at first Samuel chapter 24, verse one. It says now now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, take note. David is in the wilderness of Engedi. If you guys remember last week at the end of the chapter, it looked like Saul had David surrounded. Right. Saul was there. All of his men were surrounded. David, it looked like, oh, no, you got him. And then a messenger came and told Saul, hey, man, back home, the Philistines are tearing us up, man. They're attacking us. You better get home and fight that battle. So he had to leave and go fight that battle. And so the Lord through that delivered David. So after he got done fighting with the Philistines back home, it says he went right back. He went right back to what he was doing before. You think at a point he would wake up and say, man, what am I doing? And, uh, and I'm going to just say this, right? If you're here and you keep waking up doing the same thing and it's the wrong thing, I, man, let today be the day. Stop that. Don't do it again. It's, God's not blessing it. It's just, don't, just, don't keep going the wrong way. Saul just kept waking up. Go to bed, wake up. I'm going to do dumb all over again. He's an example of everything we don't want to be and don't want to do as believers. And so mark that. Saul got up and he went right back to his foolishness. And so it says, uh, take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. So he always got somebody coming to tell him where David's at. Now he finds out David is in the wilderness in Engedi. Verse two, then Saul took 3000 chosen men from all Israel. And he went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. Now, would you guys agree 3000? That's a good army because David had how many? 600 hoodlums. Y'all remember David had everybody that was distressed, in debt, had a bad attitude. That was David's crew. They grew from 400 to 600. Um, and so David's got a, a, a ragtag group of 600 fellas that he just threw together out in the hood somewhere. And Saul's got 3,000 choice men. Uh, it seems like this should be a no-brainer. Saul should be able to find them, get them, annihilate them, wipe them out. But we learned last week, right? If God be for you, nobody, right? It doesn't matter what, how big the enemy is. It doesn't matter how well put together they are. None of it matters if God is for you. And so what we want to concern ourselves with is being with the Lord. I just want to be, I want to be right with God. But Saul's got his 3,000 men and they head up to find David. It says they're on the rocks of the wild goats. If you guys check this out, there are some goats that live on the, if you see a steep hillside and the goats literally live on, they live on the steep, that's how they hide out from the different animals that want to eat them. And so I, you know, y'all know I do the animal channel. So every once in a while you, you can catch a, a animal trying to catch one of these goats tumbling on down. Um, because these goats, they got their little hooves, they fit in the little crevices and it looks like they're standing up on the hillside. Um, but they, they, God made them a certain kind of way. So that's where these guys are going to find David and his men. Verse three says, I'm sorry, before I go to verse three, I want to note that Saul is still using his time, his energy and all his resources to go after the man that God has anointed king. And so, again, I, I, I want to say this to us, that we be careful about wasting time and energy and resources to go after something that's not God's heart to pursue something that God is not for, that God is not into. Uh, we want to use our, in, our energy and our resources, our energy to go after that, which God is saying, go do that. Amen. We don't want to waste our energy, effort, time and resource fighting God, essentially. So verse three. So he came to the sh uh, to the sheepfolds of the road 
where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. For those that don't think God has a sense of humor, right? So Saul and his 3000 men go up there. Saul says, hey, fellas, I got to go potty somewhere. Of all the caves that are in all the area, the caves everywhere, Saul picks to go potty in the cave where David and his men are in the recesses. So they're they're in the cave deeply in the little cutouts in the cut in the cave. Saul's and I want you just to get the scene right. I'm going to lay out the potty situation. I want to be gross on Wednesday night, but that, you know, they would dig a little spot. If you had the, the resource, they had rocks everywhere. They would make a little place to sit and they would go in and they would sit down in the cool of the cave on the hot day and they would do their business. I would imagine David and his men are in the cave. I don't know if they're they catching the aroma of the cave. I just I know that they're in there. And I just think, wow, what a, what a sense of humor the Lord has that of anywhere Saul could have went, you went to take potty. You went to go potty in the cave where David and all his men, you don't even know they're there. So he's sitting down, you know, strumming his thumb, singing his songs or whatever he does with his newspaper or whatever, you know. But he's in there and that's where he ends up going to use the restroom. Now, this is going to become a situation because David's men are David's men all believers yet. They, they just a hey, ragtag, you know, disgruntled, dis- indebted, you know, folks. They're going to grow. They, they get to get to know some things. But he got it. That's the group he's with. And when they see that it's Saul, they're going to be like, oh, bro, this is God is so good. Hey, David, God is deli- man. God is God got you, bro. God put him right in front of you, man. Go on and kill this dude because we're all running around in caves because of him. So go on and go on and take care of it. And so we'll talk about that in just a moment. So it says now in verse four. As Saul is in there attending to his needs in the recesses of the cave, David's men are there. Verse four. Then the men of David said to him, this is the day which the Lord has said to you. Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as seems good to you. A couple things want to note. You always want to be careful when people who don't really know God start telling you what God's doing. Because, you know, there are people that are wax spiritual. Man, it's probably God's way. God is telling you God is. But you don't even know him. You don't obey him. You don't walk with him. You don't yield to him. Careful about letting other people tell you what God is doing, because, you know, God for yourself. And here's the thing, right? If somebody's really on point and speaking to you about the Lord, uh, there's the, the, the Bible says the spirit of God that lives in you is going to bear witness. Right. You're not going to bring me a word from the Lord and it, it hit me and I'm going back. That's weird. That's God. I've never said nothing like every time I've ever had a legitimate prophetic word or legitimate word from the Lord, a word of wisdom. It's it's never been completely foreign. I've had prophetic words that were like, wow, that was God was informing me of something came to pass. I've had words that as soon as I heard it, I knew, man, that's the Lord, because I've, I've been praying over here. And this person don't even know my prayer life is bringing me this word. But don't let it be something foreign. Somebody telling you this, this, you know, you you single girls. The guy God told me, God, you know, he told me, God told me, you, you, you know what I'm saying? God told me you my wife. And uh, it's like, but you, but you got two other girlfriends, bro. You, I got cutting. God didn't tell me to marry a brother with two girlfriends. You know, I, I had to fight the urge when I was when I when God had told me that Mika was my wife. I didn't go tell her because I, I just knew that like, she would have she would have put on her running shoes and it would have just took longer. So um, but God told me that's all I needed to know. God, God told me I know I know what's going down. So. But these are David's men and they're thinking, surely God has had favor on you, David. 
your enemy is looking at him. He's sitting there going potty, man. We didn't call him slipping. I mean, you can't get caught slipping worse than that. Um, I mean, you are incapacitated. You are sitting down on the stones or whatever you're doing. I mean, easy kill right now. He don't even know that we are in the cave. And so they tell David, man, go and do to him as it seems good to you. That sounds like understanding what they're coming from. It don't sound that bad, right? Unless you know the Lord. Unless you know God. This don't, this don't sound too bad unless you know God. Look at what it says next. And David arose. He didn't kill him, though, and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. So David got up. He creeped over to Saul. He got close enough to Saul to get his robe. He cut a corner of the robe off real quiet. And then he tiptoed on back into the recesses. What do you think the brothers that were there? What do you think they thought right now? What do you think they thought of David? Come on, bro. In this force, man. And I want you to know that sometimes to do what God wants you to do, you're going to have a lot of pressure from people. If, if I was you, what I would, I'm not you. And I, and I don't got to give an account to God for what you would do. I got to give an account to God for what I do. It's sometimes it's lonely and it's very difficult to do what God's telling you to do. Because you got a relationship with the Lord. You got a tender heart to the Lord. And sometimes that tender heart, God is going to say, I know it seems like you should do this, but I don't want you to do that. And if you got a tender heart to the Lord, you're going to yield to the Lord. And people might not understand. Other people might not get it. No, you need to go ahead and you need to stick it to them. You need to go ahead. And then the Lord is saying, no, I don't want you to do that. That's not what I want. It's not my heart right now. David has what we're going to see, a sensitive heart to the Lord. Not, he's not a sensitive, like a, like a, like a, you know, trying to pick my words carefully, not, not sensitive in the way that, you know, sissify, like, you know, sensitive, not like that. When I say he had a sensitive heart, it means that it's tender. Like God, I, I, you know, I, I feel your disappointment. I feel your disagreement. I feel your, I want to please you. I want to be in alignment with you. And I can feel soon as David cut off the corner of Saul's robe, he'd been pumped up by the guys to go kill him. David cut off the corner of his robe, which seemed like, David, that was, bro, you did, I mean, for what you could have done, that wasn't too bad. But look at what happens in verse five. Now what happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Now he got men tell him, kill him, kill him, knife him, get him, stab him, whatever. He just cuts off a little bit of robe. And then afterwards, he's like, nah, man, you know why his heart troubled him? Because his heart told him, that's not what God wanted. I did this. I got pumped up. I, I, I didn't kill him, but I wasn't even supposed to do this. And I did. And his heart bothered him for it. That, this is why when we say David was a man after God's heart, right? It's a man that's saying, God, I want what you want. My heart is for the Lord. My heart is to please God. And, and it doesn't mean you're going to be a man without flaws, but it does mean that when I do something that's not with God's heart, I, I'm going to feel that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recant that. I'm going to pull back. David had a heart for the Lord. He had a sensitive heart to the Lord. And I'm just going to encourage this. I would ask everybody here, you know, you judge for yourself, right? Do you have a sensitive heart toward the Lord? You know, do you, do you sense God's displeasure when you speak to someone the wrong way, when you respond in a wrong way? And if you do, great, because now you got to respond to that, right? When you sense that, ah, that wasn't right, you go back and fix it. Maybe you snapped at the kids and you heard it come out and you were like, hmm, go back and say, baby, I'm sorry. You know, go make that right. Uh, maybe you respond wrong in a situation. But as you sense the Lord's displeasure, you want to respond. You want to. We want this. This is a good thing 
It's not good that he did what he did, but it's good that his heart was immediately, you know, he was he was disturbed. When my kids were little, there'd be times when they, you know, they do something wrong, but you can see they were disturbed. They come, you had kids come tell on themselves, Dad, Dad, I did this. You know what I would always, I would never discipline that. I would say, you know why, you know what bothers you? That's the Lord inside you that made you feel that way. So this is good. Now, next time, listen to him before you do it. You know, he was there beforehand. But but the fact that you're listening now, this is good. You're responding to God. You could have kept it a secret. You didn't have to tell me, but it bothered you so much that you came and told on yourself. You just come behind that. And say, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's who that is. And listen to him. You know, get good at listen. Next time. See if you can listen before you do the stupid thing, you know, see if you can listen beforehand and, and you, you, you know, you have to come back and say sorry afterwards. But you want to encourage that. And even us, right? Uh, there, as a pastor, there are times where I, I interact with people, and they're 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 just wanting to confess. Man, I, I did this. They don't have to confess to me. We're not a priest. You can go to God. But what I see in that is, is someone that says, "Man, I'm so disturbed with what I've done. I just want to I want to get clean. I want to get it out." I always encourage people that that's the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing. Um, that the Holy Spirit is not let you just not comfortable living that good. So now we can pray for you. The Bible says you confess your trespass to one another. Pray for them that they may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. So we're going to you confess. We're going to pray. God's going to heal and, and strengthen you and, and go in his power from here. Um, but that's what we do for one another. We want we want to keep hearts that are sensitive to the Lord. And so now it says his, his heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Verse six. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is anointed of the Lord. So David turns to his men and say, you know what, guys, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing, man. This is wrong. I, I shouldn't stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. Who anointed Saul? The Lord did. Right. And this is what David is saying. I didn't. The Lord anointed Saul. I know God anointed God anointed David, too. And so the, the, the temptation for David would be, I'm supposed to be the king. I, he could have took it by force right now. Right. He could have killed Saul and said, boom, now I'm the king. I've been I was anointed anyway. But God's path for David is God's the God takes us sometimes the long way. Sometimes the long way, the holy way it's hard. Right. Because it was going to be a lot harder for David to say, I'm going to let him off the hook. He probably going to try to come get me again. And I got to wait for God to deal with him. But God, you anointed him. He's your king. You anointed him king. I'm going to let you deal with him. Now, I want to share a common misrepresentation and misinterpretation of this particular verse. Uh, so there are pastors and leaders that will take this verse and say, you know, you can't talk down the man of God. Don't you reach out. Don't you open up your mouth against the Lord's anointed. Um, so you got you some pastor that's in maybe he's, you know, teaching false doctrine or behaving in a way that's uncomely that that doesn't line up with scripture. And you're not supposed to be able to correct him or convict him because we're not supposed to be able to correct him or convict him because this verse says that you're not supposed to touch the Lord's anointed. Right. I'm going to tell you why it's out of context. First of all, David is. David touching Saul was to kill him, right? They, they, so this is a whole nother situation. This is not a pastoral situation. Uh, this is one where um, you got a king that is messing up and David is saying, look, God anointed him. God's going to have to be the one to take him out. I, just for a proof text, um, if you're a note taker, write down Galatians chapter 2, 11 to 21. Uh, well, we all agree that Peter was one of Peter was an apostle called by God, all of that. Right. 
Well, Peter messed up in Galatian. Uh, in Galatia, he went over there and, you know, there was a big Jew-Gentile divide. And so when the Jews were not around, Peter was chilling with the Gentiles, eating with them, hanging out. And then when the Jews would pull up, Peter would pull back. Like, oh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not really kicking it with them. And when, when Paul saw what he was doing, it says this. I'm going to read it to you in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, now when Peter had come to Antioch, Paul speaking, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away by his hypocrisy. And so I uh, says, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter and before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Um, and, and I'll stop there. Paul confronts Peter to us. He said, I'm going to confront you to your face in front of everybody because what you're doing is wrong and you're misleading people. Um, you're keeping the body divided when we're supposed to be bringing about unity. If you're going to eat with the Gentiles, eat with them all the time. Eat with them in front of the Jews so you can show them how it's supposed to go down. But don't switch up. Don't be changing teams. And so I, I use that because if it were wrong to confront a leader, then Paul would have been wrong here. But he did this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, back to First uh, Samuel 24. So it is OK to confront uh, or challenge or correct leaders if they're in error. And this verse is not speaking about that. This verse is not talking about pastors. This verse is talking about kings who are anointed. We're not even in that era anymore. So I just wanted to clear that up because people use this verse. So, you know, you, you go to correct the past. Don't, 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 don't stretch out your hand against the man of God. Uh, that's bogus. I'm going to tell you what you did wrong and why it's wrong. And, and that's going to be OK. Got got to got to deal with it. So moving on. So David says that, you know, he says, I should not do this thing to my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand, seeing he is anointed of the Lord. And it says, verse seven. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his own way. So David not only had to restrain himself, right, just cut off the corner of the garment, let it be. Then David's men, David got 600 rowdy you know, gangbanger types, if you will. You know, he, he got 600 guys and he has to say, guys, no, we're not going to do this. this is why we're not going to do it, because the Lord, he's a, he's the Lord's anointed. Right. And God's got to deal with Saul. That's not going to be for me to do. Uh, Saul is God's problem. God anointed him. God, God's got to be the one to deal with him. But it's it's not going to be for me to do. Once again, I believe this is a demonstration of why the Bible says David is a man after God's heart. If David just wanted what David wanted, the easiest thing to do would be to kill Saul. We know David can kill. We know David is a warrior. We know David is no chump that this would have been nothing for him. But David was like, mm, the reason I'm not touching you is because the Lord is the one that anointed you. And I got to I got to honor God. I fear God. He anointed you. I got to let the Lord be the one to take you out. But I'm not going to stretch out my hand and touch, kill, take the life of someone that God chose at once upon a time. And so there is a great lesson here. And again, David not only restrained himself, but this is leadership, right? David had to restrain his men. And sometimes anybody here is going to be a leader. Sometimes you're going to have to lead people in a way that they don't necessarily they don't see it the way you see it. 
but you got to lead them anyway. Everybody else, I'm sure, thought David, no, no, the, the Lord delivered him into your hand. David's like, no, he didn't. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.